0: Thanks, John. What? Your jacket. Yeah. Yeah, that's all it is, is a coat. You put a coat on, you're like, "Oh, I'm dressed up now." Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. It's way too easy for guys, isn't it? Isn't that ridiculous? Yes, for all you ladies. I know. It's like they put a coat on, you're like, "Wow." They put a coat on. That's all it, that's all the effort they put into it. So, Anyways, well, hey, thanks for joining us um, this morning. So, this title, What Really Matters? I think, like I said earlier, you know, when it comes to our lives, um, we often are just so busy that we don't take the time to carefully evaluate where we're at in life and do some soul searching and ask those really important questions. So, what is essential for our lives from a a biblical perspective, perspective? Like, what were we created for? What is God's opinion since He created us. And you know, in American Christianity today, um, oftentimes we are less interested maybe in God's opinion or His will and a little more interested in, hey, these are our plans. This is what we have. And, And then we ask God to bless that. And that's our, really our ideas. And so, I think just deep down, we kind of struggle with wanting to do our own thing. And so that's part of, you know, kind of our human nature that we inherited, this independent nature where we want to live our own life and call our own shots. And so actually asking Jesus to be the Lord and our master is a totally new way of thinking it really is. And so John talked a little bit about this last week when we were talking about the church in Corinth in 2 Corinthians 12 and how this church was in this city that really is very much like, you know, the French Quarter in New Orleans, um, primarily kind of a godless culture there, independent, rebellious, and now they're all under one roof. And they have a new master and their lives were not their own anymore and they were God's possession. That was a completely new way of thinking for them. So imagine that for so many of these new Jesus followers in this city in Corinth. They've grown up in a, most likely, a secular household. They've been surrounded by temple prostitution. Um, They've probably taken part in their fair share of um, revelry and everything. I mean, that's just, that was their culture. That was the city. Now, They've been floored by this love of Jesus, and they still live there. They're still surrounded by all those things, and yet they're new people. They're forgiven, they're clean, they're changing every day, and they're seeing the world through new eyes, and that's really exciting that God does that kind of thing. And so after following Christ for about 31 years now, listening to God really matters. Listening to God. And so if we look at the people of God over the centuries, as they followed Him, God instructed them to intentionalize, like certain times of their days. So you had the, the Jews, the people of God there in the Old Testament, where there, there were weeks and seasons where they would take, where they would slow down, remember together what God had done, and they had these feasts and they had these celebrations where they wouldn't work, where they would take the time together to think about what God had done for them and how faithful He was. Really, it was a time to think about what really matters. And so, I was reading a book on on leadership a few years ago, and uh, and the author was talking about uh, five different types of people and kind of what is it that makes you feel alive? Like it's this thing where it's like, this is what I was made for. And he was talking about those like being described as our pathways to God. And so, for me, the one that I felt maybe most clearly hit me was the activist pathway. And so I feel like I'm in God's wheelhouse when I'm actively involved in other people's lives. When I just see God working, when God is using me, when I'm, you could say, like going Mach 3 with my hair on fire. When that's happening, I feel like, man, God, I feel alive at this point. And I think that's a strength. That's a good thing. The weakness to that is that I can be so busy that I don't slow down enough to listen to God. And so I can be really busy going up my ladder to get God's work done. And I feel like there's times when He's tapped me on the shoulder and said, Hey, that's great. I love it that you're working really hard here. But I'm not sure if you've noticed, but your ladder is up against the wrong wall, okay? And so I'm glad you're working hard for me, but please slow down a little bit. Can we do this together so you're not alone? Like, you know, it works a little bit better when you're working with me and not on your own. And I feel like God has tapped me on the shoulder numerous times In that. So, this morning I want to focus on how deeply this matters this principle of listening. It's one of the most important things we can do that will make all the difference in our lives, and that's for our marriage, for conflicts, for parenting, for success vocationally, and for us as a community. When I think about it, the trajectory of my life was changed. By listening, I sat quietly in Bible studies in college and I listened closely to the language and the things that the Christians talked about. I listened to how they referred to Jesus. Eventually, I got a Bible. I looked up the things that they said, I listened to how they spoke to one another about one another about the Bible and I listened intently to what God was telling me. So before I was a Christian, I remember seeing these friends that were following Jesus and and I would witness them praying. I would be in the room at times when they would pray together and I remember asking God, God, I'm not exactly sure what they mean by this, but will you speak to me? Speak to me. And as time went on, the gospel, this message that, oh my gosh, I could be forgiven, that I could know for sure that I am going to be with Christ for eternity, I listened closely to that message. It started with listening. So, why is it so important? And why can it be so difficult at times when it comes to listening? First, why it's so important? Because we all, I think, desire and need wisdom. Wisdom. And in Scripture, we see that both wisdom and this word folly, which is like the, the opposite of wisdom, are described as this person... In Scripture's case, this woman calling out to us, trying to get us to follow them. And both attempt to gain our attention, and it's imperative that we listen to gain wisdom. And so God wants to speak to us. And the question is, will we listen? And like I said, my entire life was changed by listening, John and I were kind of sharing notes together on this, and similar to him, when I first heard the gospel, I had a choice. Listen to what my Bible says and trust God is speaking or follow my own thoughts. And because I was willing to be corrected and told and accept the fact that I was a sinner, God saved me. It's about the posture that we have before God. So in Luke 18, I want to look at this, verses 9 through 14. This is Jesus telling this parable. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. So one is very religious has a religious background, does religious activities. They're a church person, okay? The other one is a tax collector that's considered like a scumbag. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give a tenth of all I get. He's basically saying, I'm very mature in my faith. I'm mature, I've arrived. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. So one is proud and arrogant and self-righteous. The other is humble and self-aware and contrite before God. Our posture matters. Our willingness to hear from God matters. I love the verse where it says, but God gives grace to the humble. Where it says, a broken and contrite heart Oh God, you will not despise. So why is it so hard for us at times? Like any type of correction. Like we live in a culture where our first response is to defend or deflect or minimize our sin, whatever we're being corrected on. We grow up in a culture that defends and attacks now. We see that online. People attack each other constantly when they get corrected. And so for many of us, we're just really prickly. We're like porcupines, immediately crafting our response when anybody speaks to us. So a really important section of Scripture for us to really think about and memorize, and be part of our community is found in James. So important, because this will change our marriages, our friendships, our parenting, our community. James 1, 19 through 20. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Here we have the author saying, take notes on this. I want you to remember this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. They were getting angry at each other. They weren't listening to one another. Just basic family interaction that wasn't happening there. Another reason that I think receiving God's wisdom is difficult is that often it comes through people, other people. And we don't like being instructed. I think there's that first reaction like, who are you to instruct and correct me? We're proud. It's hard to hear that we've blown it. We don't want to be corrected. We don't want to receive advice. We want to figure it out on our own. And some of us have come about this honestly. Like, sadly, for many of us, we have a form of PTSD when it comes to people, like, instructing or correcting it, correcting us because we have had multiple awful experiences where we have been corrected not out of love but out of anger for many of us. Not out of love, but out of anger. And so because of that, we've heard these things. We have heard, you suck. You messed up again. You're not good enough, and you won't ever be good enough. And it puts us in a defensive posture. But as believers with God, we have friends that love us. And we have a God that loves us. And so his heart is motivated by love. And so he can use his word, his Holy Spirit, and his followers to love us in this way. Listen to this perspective on correction and discipline. It's totally different. Listen to the posture in Hebrews 12, 5 through 11. And you have completely forgotten, listen to this, this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son. It says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Because the Lord disciplines the one He loves, and He chastens everyone who accepts He accepts as His son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as His children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of our spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in His holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time. It isn't. But painful. Scripture says that right there. It's going to be painful. Faithful are the wounds of a friend at times. Later on, though, later on, a larger, like a long-term perspective, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. In the end, it's life-giving. Listening produces wisdom. Proverbs 15.12 says, mockers resent correction, so they avoid the wise. A little later, verse 32, whoever heeds life-giving correction will be at home among the wise. Correction produces wisdom. One of the phrases that I heard all the time when I was first starting to follow Jesus with these other men that were in my life, and they would say this often, I want to be aggressively teachable. Aggressively teachable. Now, one of the topics that I love and that, is dear to my heart. Like, is one of the things that makes me feel alive is discipleship. And when I see what helps to create the most ardent and mature disciples of Jesus, it's the ones that have that kind of heart. Like, let's look at the 12 men that Jesus chose. They weren't superstars. They weren't talented speakers, men of powerful, prominent positions in their cities. Like, I'm not sure if any of us were commissioned, like, I want you to go out and find 12 people that you're going to start a worldwide movement with. I don't think we would have picked those 12. I don't think we would have. Yet Jesus did. Why? Why? I think very simply, it's because they were teachable. They were teachable. It was their hearts, their posture before God made them pliable in the Master's hands. And if we come to Jesus with that posture, like, here I am, Lord, teach me, it is life-giving. If we understand that this comes from a God who loves us, and that he very well could be speaking through our brothers and sisters too, we will grow in wisdom. So we have a a responsibility on both sides of this, for the listener to be actively pursuing being teachable, and for the corrector to really ask ourselves the question, is this life-giving? Are we speaking life into our brother and sister? Is this because I desire the best for them? And when it is, it strengthens our relationships. Proverbs 9.8 says, Do not rebuke mockers or they will hate you. Rebuke the wise and they will love you. Rebuke the wise and they will love you the community that listens to each other while correcting and building into one another creates life. And relationships grow stronger and deeper and more committed. Paul and Peter, two big names in Christianity, early followers of Jesus that did amazing things, had some sharp disagreements. Sharp disagreements. There was a time when Paul was like, Peter was being much more political, he was worried about what the religious Jews were thinking kind of in their crew, to the point where some of the things that he was doing were making the gospel even unclear. And Paul was like, what are you doing? We cannot do this. Paul called him to the carpet because he loved Peter, because he wanted the best for him, and they were on mission together. They were teammates, not enemies. They were teammates. So they worked together in that, and they worked through it. And Peter could have been really prickly at that point. He could have said, listen, Paul, yeah, okay, you saw Jesus one time. That's great. I was with him for three solid years, okay, every day, and he called me the rock, all right? I'm the rock. Don't tell me what to do, okay? But he didn't. Instead, they worked through it. Listening to one another communicates something really important. It communicates how much we value one another. When it comes to listening to God, we also need to talk about the difficulty in doing this in today's culture. We've all heard the verse, be still and know that I am God. That verse to me, it makes it clear that there's something about stillness and solitude that is an important part of listening to God. And so when we were at the college retreat this weekend, it's one of the things we talked about, like, let's put our phones away. And let's prioritize getting alone and quiet and listening to what God has for us. You know, that was one of the reasons that I was really excited about John taking a sabbatical. Was, yes, we wanted him to get recharged and rested and revitalized, for sure. But I also wanted him to get time alone and be still and listen to what God has for him. Jesus regularly, he did that in front of his disciples. There was tons going on, and in the midst of all the clamor, the crowds, the critics, all of it, he'd take his men outside the city where they could be alone. He'd go off by himself, listen to the Father, and speak to the Father, and they would watch that. It was a really important thing. That's how they would catch those things from Jesus. They would see what he needed to do. Like there were times when it is just crazy. We can't even walk into a city without all these people jumping on us. And yet Jesus continually took those times away. Scripture describes the Holy Spirit as this still, small voice. And that implies that it takes effort to slow down, get away from distractions, and listen carefully to a quiet voice. And so it begs the question for us, do we have a quiet place that we can retreat to? Where we can get away from that drug, the phone, where we can open our Bibles... And we can listen to Jesus speak. If we don't have that, we're missing out. Jesus needed it. What makes us think that we can thrive without that? If Jesus needed needed it. A person I really respect had this rhythm, this schedule that he told me about. He said he has a time every day set apart every day to get alone with God and listen to Him. And then once a week, he had a more extended time where it was maybe three to five hours. And then once a month, he would have an entire day set apart where he would be still and listen to God. And he would schedule that ahead of the game. He's like, this is what really matters. And this goes first on my schedule, and then I do everything else that I have left after that. And I learned from that. He didn't tell me, this is what you should do, Jim. I just heard that he did that. And I walked away and thought, man, that is a good idea. I wonder if I should do that. So what is our rhythm for solitude and stillness to help us listen to God? We need one. Whatever that looks like for you. I'm not suggesting this is what it needs to look like. You guys think about that and pray about that. First Samuel 3, it says, The Lord came and stood there, calling as at the other times. And He's talking to Samuel, Samuel, Samuel. And then Samuel said, Speak, speak, for your servant is listening. It's the posture that God is looking for. Like I said, listening to one another communicates deeply how much we value one another. As a leadership team, as John mentioned, over the last few weeks, we've had some really good conversations with some of you. And we are listening. We have been challenged, we have been corrected, and we are listening intently. We have to a community that values one another listens to one another and when we do that we will make progress together we as a leadership team are trusting that god is speaking to us through you guys that's part of how he works. And we are trusting God that he is speaking to us through you. I want to finish with the situation in Acts chapter 13, where the church was seeking God together. Now, in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, Lucius, Manaen, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, so they're worshiping God, fasting, and they're together. The Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Next verse. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. Together, they were seeking God. What are these next steps? What should we do? We have these leaders here. We know that there are needs in the gospel. Should they stay with us? Should they go out? Which ones? We don't know. God, give us direction together. And God did. And He gave them wisdom together, which James says that. James 1. Verse 5, you seek God. Anybody got their Bibles here? Open it up. James 1.5, stand up and read that for us. Go for it. James 1.5, Bible or phone Bible, okay? It's totally legal at this time only. Anybody? James 1.5. Thank you, John. Not looking at his Bible, by the way. And I did not set him up for that. I did not say, you better have this memorized, okay? God gives it to us generously he gives us wisdom you guys in the band you guys can come on up okay when we seek God together when we're still and we're willing to listen to God and one another we can have confidence that the Lord will unify us that he will give us direction and give us wisdom as a community and that is exciting What really matters is listening to God, listening to each other, and listening together to the Holy Spirit as a community. Let's pray. Lord, we ask that as a community of followers, that your voice would become like our shepherd, like we're sheep, And your word says that they know the voice of their shepherd. With all these voices that are out there, we ask God that the voice, that your voice, we would hear it, we would recognize it, and we would know it. And Lord, we'd only have that experience if there is experience of hearing what your voice sounds like. And so God, we ask that. We ask that we would have hearts that are willing, that we would find silence and solitude to listen to you speak. We thank you that you speak to us through your Holy Spirit, through your word, and through each other. We want to be open to all of them. Thank you for this time this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.